Like Call It What You Want, which we know is your favorite podcast about the beautiful game, Viore is committed to delivering a great experience for everyone, which is highlighted by their new perspective on performance apparel. Everything is designed to work out in, but doesn't look or feel like it. In fact, I'm rocking their Stratotech polo right now, along with their Sunday performance jogger pants, so I can be business on top when I'm on camera, but super comfortable on the bottom. And it's just the best. Fiori gear is incredibly versatile, and it can be used for just about any activity. Running, training, swimming, lounging around, hosting podcasts, doing errands, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. And for our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash call it. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash call it. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash call it and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. up everybody welcome to in soccer we trust we've got an incredible show for you today we've got jimmy Trashcat conrad with us for a little bit as well as charlie Chuckwagon davies and we were going to have a guest thomas rongan well he was there with us but we had some audio difficulties so we're going to pick up the show right here um charlie i'll come to you is there anything that he said right off the top there that that um uh you agree with disagree with or excite you or, or make you a little bit nervous well, what excites me is just that the Netherlands are a team that likes to keep possession, and it's a lot of east-west. Yes, Frankie de Jong leads the, the World Cup in, in line-breaking passes with 26. He's a phenomenal player. And if we can put pressure on him and force other players to try and break them down, break us down, then I, I like the U.S.'s chances, especially with Daly Blind, who, who isn't as fast as he once was, and he wasn't known to be a fast player to begin with. Timothy Weah getting in behind that 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 space that he's going to be vacating uh, on the left flank, as well as Serginho Dest overlapping on the right side. I know you you talked about the Netherlands not being tested. I think they've been tested. I, I think in in those moments where they have Charlie, bad passes. for the record, by the way, I only say I only say I don't think they've been tested because they still got pushed and pushed, and they still finished the group top seven points and and relatively in it. I, I, I know that they did struggle, but now they find themselves still top of the group, seven points coming out of that, that I, I guess maybe the better way for me to say it is they weren't punished in those tests, right? They still swam yeah, their they, way out of were, what, what – they could have been out they, of the tournament. They, those, their group wasn't strong to me either. So for them to be pushed in a way, Ecuador probably should have beat them. Senegal, they were unlucky to, get, to give up two goals at the end of the game. But if it, they had Sadio Mane, they had many openings in that game. And, and Rongen touched on the, the transition moments. They leave themselves open. They, they sometimes get too carried away. They, they're too relaxed with, the, with the, some of the passes. And when they play those balls across the pitch, the square balls, the, the, the diagonals with not a lot of pace on it, and I can see Tyler Adams, Wes McKinney, Eunice Musa picking those off, 
and going the other way, those are the moments that we have to capitalize. There is no taking our time with possession. It's being direct. And I think what, when Thomas Rongan said that, he was spot on. So uh, I'm ex- that's why I'm really excited about this group because we know how I mean, to defend and we, we, yeah. can, we can score. Yeah, it's all popping off here, by the way, in Doha. We've got fireworks and, Let's and music. Go. And hopefully it's soothing sounds for everybody while they're listening. But what I would add is just maybe some overall themes to what we're seeing with the Dutch I don't think they've actually gotten out of second gear, to be honest. In, in terms, a little bit, I understand what you're saying, Charlie, but they still finished on top of seven. They have that experience of knowing how to get through a group. And I still don't think we've seen the best of them, which gives me Is that a, a good thing for us, Jimmy, or, or is no, that a bad thing? Well, I don't know. Because they, they can't get out of that gear, and no one has really punished them for that. Or, or are you no, suggesting that they've, they've been able to get this many points while learning along the way, and they can shift into another gear? Yeah, I mean, I think what's interesting is that the first two games – they didn't have Memphis Depay start. And so Cody Gakpo was the one that started up top essentially by himself, and, and he scored in both games. And then Memphis Depay does start, and he still finds a way to score a goal. So that relationship, I think, between Depay and Gakpo is interesting because if you didn't have Depay in, maybe you could find that strength and maybe overload the midfield. So there's that. But let's take a look. Let's take one step back. Louis Van Hall took over at, uh, almost a little over a year ago, and they haven't lost. It's a run of 18 games. They haven't lost. And what he's done is he's gone against the DNA of, and this is getting really loud, I apologize, but he's gone against the DNA of the Dutch, which is a 4-3-3 system. Johan Cruyff, Ajax, all that stuff. It's 4-3-3. That's what they know. And he's gone to a back three with two wingbacks. And it's actually done and given them a lot of success. And I just, I wonder about that because that back line is, is pretty solid when you have Virgil van Dijk anchoring it. And then when you look at the last time that Van Hall actually managed, this is his third time in charge of the Dutch, Last time he was in charge, they finished third in the World Cup. So he's got experience, obviously, and he knows what he's doing. And that gives me all that kind of wrapped together based on how they're performing, that they haven't gotten out of second gear, that maybe they haven't found their best 11 yet. It just, I mean, I love it for us as a challenge, of course. But I just think it's going to be our most tough test so far in this tournament. I mean, Charlie, based on what you've, you've seen from, from the Netherlands, and we'll, we'll, we'll break down this preview more so, and we'll get into the U.S. lineups and things like that. We know we have a short amount of time with Jimmy um, today, but is, is there anything about this Netherlands that, that you fear in terms of the potential upside? Because, again, when I watch them in those games, I agree with Jimmy that they don't, haven't gotten out of that second gear, but they still finished seven points on top of the table, so there's an effectiveness to, to the way that they're playing but I wouldn't say that there's any sort of things where I'm saying, hey, we th- this is going to be really hard to stop based on what I've seen so far in this tournament. No, they have an effectiveness to finish their chances. And it's mm-hmm. not that they're creating an, a, a great deal of chances either. It's it's quality chances. And you have a player in Cody Gakpo who is just in form. The, the player is on a rocket ship right now. And and the Netherlands are behind him. They, they, they're they looking to him to create those goals, to score those goals, to get to win these games. And they, they have pride in their defending. They think – they can win games 1-0, 2-1, whatever it is, just because they will finish those quality chances. And a great question from YouTube comments, Jeff Hamidi, who said, if Josh Sargent can't go, um, he calls him Josh Major, uh, who is the nine in this game? <laughs> and and that's, an, that's an interesting question because I think of the two players, I think Christian's more likely to be able to play from, from the start than Josh Sargent because – Ankles are really difficult. When you when you get a good tweak, man, it, it's it's painful. So, my idea, knowing that Timothy Weah is probably not going to be at the nine, I think Greg has made that pretty clear. That you play a false nine, and Bern Aronson is your starting striker because they in possession. 
they they are able to move and and depending on where the ball is, whether it's you know Timothy Weah playing up top uh, in a four four two and Brennan's kind of withdrawn and and you know what he, you're going to get from him constant pressure transition that's where he's at his best. Look at how the way Philadelphia Union played, the way that Red Bull Salzburg played. That is going to play right into Brendan Aronson's hands, something he's done his whole career. I like the fact of playing Josh Sargent in that role. And then hopefully you can get a, a Gio Reyna to come into the second half. Um, plus he's motivated. You know he wants to impress. He's got to work hard uh, off the ball. And, and I think that would really suit the U.S. well. Jimmy, let me I ask think, you this. Do you think – No, think I want, that, can I jump in on the number yeah, nine, yeah. though, Heath? Yeah. I, I just want to say that we have to think about it in terms of – can we cancel somebody out? I mean, can, in some ways, our number nine might have to be a sacrificial lamb, right? They need to walk so others can run because we need to occupy Virgil van Dyke. We need to maybe occupy two players with, with one of our own. So if we can get Nathan Ake and Virgil van Dyke to be locked in on one of our guys, that's going to open up space in different areas of the field. I don't know which player can do that. I, I feel like obviously Timo Wea is still my number one choice because he's the one that will hopefully stretch to the defense. Haji Wright, I'm, I, I've seen enough of Haji Wright that I want to go, I want to see somebody mm-hmm. else. So, so if it's Jesus Ferreira, if Josh Sargent can't go, all right, what is he going to do? Is if, if, if you bring in a Ferreira or somebody like him, a false nine, then they have to bring a center back into midfield with them if they're going to drop back. And that'll open up space for Pulisic to run in behind where that space is now being opened or, or way on the other side. We need that, but there has to be some thought, and I hope that there is, and I'm sure that there is, you around how we strategically Jesus. move around and, and joystick these, uh, these center backs who are excellent center backs for the Dutch <laughs> Because if, they just, if we just allow them to stand in their block and stand in their line, it's going to be really difficult. We're not, we're not going to outhead these guys on crosses, right? We're running into a team that's got three trees. They're going to have guys that do the work. They're going to track. It's just going to be a really difficult game. And, again, I'm up for the challenge, and I love that our guys are going to be tested in this way, especially when it's a win or go home, which is, I think, to your point, Heath, is going to force the Dutch to get out of second gear. Because they could yeah. they won their first game in the group. Okay, they knew they had Qatar at some point. They were going to roll over Qatar, right? So they kind of knew when they won one, they were probably going to get six points. And they ended up getting seven. And I do think, to your point, Charlie, there were some vulnerabilities in that Dutch defense that we can get after. But this is going to be a different version of them. And, and we have to be really thoughtful. I don't want us to play checkers. we got to play chess with these guys. But, J- but Jimmy, you, knowing that Jesus is, is more of a 10, he's not really a striker, that he, he checks so deep, wouldn't that play into the hands of a – Brent Aronson or Gio Reyna, knowing that you are constantly pressing, you're trying to get, overload the midfield, and then you force Van Dyke and Nathan Ake to come up. So then that space in behind is for your wingers, Christian Pulisic. And I, a thousand percent. I, if we can get Brendan or Gio there, fine, no problem. I, I just think that Greg has been pretty adamant about, I brought my three strikers to play striker. I'm not going to put anybody else there. And he's staying true to that line as of now. But obviously you get into this position, you have some injuries, you got to think about how you want to, really prepare your game plan on that side of the ball as we try to approach the attacking third. And honestly, we've done an excellent job. And, and I know that I've been kind of hit or miss on, on these podcasts, not being able to stay on long enough for my service sucks here, Doha. But we've done an excellent job of getting numbers forward and committing numbers to the box. So it's not just we get it wide, there's one guy there, and he's like five foot two, and we can't get anything on it. We're committing three, four guys on the box, or at least they're in and around the box. And I, lo- I want that to continue because that's going to put the Dutch under some pressure for sure. Yeah, I think about that through the lens of, of- – how and how and where we're going to build up, right? Or where we're going to get our attack? If they are going to play in their three-four-three, three-five-two, if they're going to be spread out in this three-four-three system, you know, uh, they're going to be exposed in transition, which means we're probably going to have to accept that, right? Which means we need to play into that, as opposed to thinking 
that we're going to build out of the back every time we get the ball or that the Dutch are just going to sit back and let us uh, uh, play through it or get up to the uh, final third. And, and that's the part that I'm confused about in terms of where is our pressing line going to be? How is it going to be effective? Are our attacks going to come from bad turnovers in transition? Because they don't give a lot of bad turnovers, right? Their vulnerabilities were actually just times that they were spread out or or times that they didn't defend sharply, but almost like they didn't have to. They didn't get punished for it. But I do think those chances are going to be there if they don't get out of that second gear. Charlie, do you think game plan wise for this U.S. side that 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 it is going to be about a transition game that is maybe trying to cough up turnovers high up the field? Or do you think we're going to sit back deeper and try to maybe transition with a little more space in behind them um, by, by sitting a little deeper? I mean, how do you think the U.S. is going to roll out in this one? I, I I certainly hope that it's not a, a, a team that's just going to sit back and defend. I, and I don't think we will. I think we're going to be bullish with our midfield. Um, Adams, McKinney, and Musa have have overrun every team that they've gone against, every midfield. And so you can't stop now. That's the strength of our team. So I think you you put them under pressure. You don't allow them to, to build out of the back. You don't allow them to get comfortable and, and – and pin you back in your own half and allow Cody Gakpo to get on the ball because that's when he shines. I think at the very minimum, you sit up in a mid block and, and then you wait for that one pass that looks like you could pick it off. You, you lock down Frankie Deong, you give him no space, force him to play backwards or play sideways, but you, you know you have those triggers. As soon as Timber touches the ball, that's when you press. You invite it, try and lock down uh, Virgil van Dyke. Don't allow him to make the game force it to timber force it to, to to their right and then that's where you start to try and look for those 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 pickoffs the balls that are played across but this is a, this is a team that has got to be good in transition and i think that's where a lot of our guys excel so hey i gotta say jimmy i i know that you said you had two minutes left and charlie ate up those whole two minutes knowing that he's just going to kick you off the show and not give you another voice <laughs> but before you go what you got, any, you, you, got any final, you got any final thoughts for us because your hair looks good the lighting's great for you tonight i want you to have your moment on stage because you look, oh, you look I appreciate fantastic that. Yeah, i got it all figured out i finally ticked all yeah. the boxes here in doha so long may this continue throughout the u.s's dream run here through the world cup for me if we have enough guys that are playing seven or eight out of ten we're going to be fine. I think we're going to do enough to get the result. I love what Charlie's saying about winning the midfield. We got to get around Frankie de Jong. He's got more forward dangerous passes than I think any other player breaking the line passes than any other player in this tournament. And so, yeah, we, we start to win these individual battles. And then obviously collectively we're continuing to be who we are in this tournament, which is difficult to beat. Then I like us to have a chance. And I think that's all we want. We want to go out there and think that we have a chance and, and then we're going to put ourselves in a position to win the game. It's what we did against Iran, and I think we'll be looking to do the same. Now, whether you like Greg Berhalter or not, I think he's gotten it right with the starting lineups. I think every first half that we've played, we've been the better team. And I don't think that's going to change. I feel like that's a trend that's been set for us as a group. And now it's just after halftime when other teams make adjustments, when maybe there's some subs, and we need to win that battle. And if we win the first half and we start to be a little bit smarter and efficient in how we're moving as a group and as the coaching decisions – we're going to put ourselves in a good position to win. And I know that Charlie thinks we match up well in terms of contrasting style with the Dutch. And I agree. If they want to slow it down and play methodically, we like to get out and run. If they, if, if they want to get into a track meet, we're going to win that track meet. And, and I'm excited. I feel like we've seen a team now that can adapt to different situations. We can score through the middle. We can score out wide. We can create opportunities in different ways. So, again, I don't know if I said this before, but maybe about off camera, but I'm cautiously optimistic that we can do the job. I'm really proud of the guys and what they've done so far. We're undefeated for a reason. 
And I think we're going to take it. It's going to be a really close one. I'm not going to give a score prediction because my heart always gets in the way. Okay, fine. We're going to win 7-0. Thank you, everybody, for hanging out. I'll catch you guys really soon in the post-game show. All right. Well done, Jimmy. We'll see you later. Charlie, I got to say, man. For a guy who only had two minutes, he sure ate up about five straight there, huh? Yeah. Like, it was almost like he said, I'm going to say two so then I can do four on the back end and go on a monologue. But he's got, he's got, some, he's got some decent points uh, that I think about this, this U.S. side. And while I say that we, we – well, I know he said we can score through the middle, we can score through the side. Those are the two goals that we scored. I don't think that's necessarily uh, uh, um, indicative of the fact of how we can score. I think we're really going to struggle to score, right? And – Mm-hmm. I, I still think that most of our attack is going to come up the right side. And I, I would, as much as I loved Timo Weah, the thought of Timo Weah at the nine, even in a perfect world, with him and Dest in there, and then again, this interchanging with Weston McKinney and Eunice Musa, it's been unbelievable to me in terms of just them owning that side of the field. I know that we own the midfield, right? And our, on our best day, our midfield three can take on anybody and dominate that midfield. But now we're starting to have like sort of sides of the field or wings of the field too that we're able to 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 own on when you think about what Jimmy said there at the end about we've been we've done Greg Berhalter's done really well in the first half, right? Team selection, the tactics, uh, mm-hmm. the style of play, the systems of play that we're playing in the first half, very different than the second half, where I think we've really struggled. And a lot of that has come from the substitution Greg has made, when he's made those substitutions, the tactics that we're deploying to try to grind out games. Granted, it's easy to say that now we're in the knockout rounds and be very critical of that because it could have been a very different story. Which of those two things do you think is the most important? Is it the first half to, con- to continue like that? Or is it about actually saying, well, that's fine. That, that'll get a, cer- a certain distance. But if we don't fix the second half antics or tactics or, or decision-making, that might cost us in this tournament. I, I think it's important that you start off well, no doubt. But you can't continue to, to make it in this tournament if you don't get the substitutions right and the second half adjustments right. So mm-hmm. I think we've been fortunate that it, it hasn't cost the, the group uh, up until this point because the midfield have, has just been so so dominant um, in, in the, the group stages. But with that being said, Greg Berhalter, you give him the credit for how this team has played, how they've looked. It, it's the first half for, for every match. You're, you're left mm-hmm. thinking, wow, this is, a, this is a group. This is a team. Let's get behind them. And the results have followed. The only thing that we're, we're – now you're you're try, trying to really kind of dig deep and, and and analyze the situation in the group. It's the substitutions. Shaq Moore has come in and just fouled guys, has made bad passes, has looked nervous. Not not great. I give him a ton of credit for the substitution with Walker Zimmerman and changing the back line and putting him in the middle of a back five because you know what you're up against. Anytime there's just service and crosses, you're playing into Walker's strength. Great. But when you're talking about building out of the back and your 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 center backs being comfortable on the ball, that's not Walker Zimmerman's game. He struggles right. with that, and and that is why he made the switch to Cameron Carter Vickers. And I think that's why Cameron Carter Vickers is going to start in this game against Holland because Holland, they're the ball's on the ground. They're they're looking to play to players' feet. They're not a, a team that's looking to play in the air because Cody Gakpo, yes, he's he's he can play, hurt you in a, a lot of different ways. But primarily, Memphis Depay and Gakpo are, are most dangerous with the ball at their feet. Klaassen is small, not not as athletic either. Darun is not as athletic as either. De Jong, Dumfries, Deli Blind, those are guys that are going to beat you in the air. Van Dijk and Ake on set pieces can beat you in the air. But primarily, the ball is on the ground. And, and for that reason alone, I'm going with Cameron Carter-Vickers as my starting center back. 
Now, I think Cameron Carr-Vickers and Walker Zimmerman aren't the fastest players, and, and that was clear to me that they're they're both, um, you know, against yeah, the, out on the, out of the open player, field. Yeah, it's not, yeah. not going to be great. But with that being said, the the Dutch don't have any any real burners either. So they're they're more coming to the ball and trying to beat you, especially when. You look at Gakpo, he's just running off the ball, and, and the player that you have to look out for dribbling-wise is Depay. All right. I like that. Well, listen, Charlie, before we take our first and only break of the show, I want everybody to know that you can hit that QR code in the corner, get 20% off by using Soccer20 at the Soccer We Trust store. Support us. Support the show. We'll all go out sometime, wear the same clothes, and uh, keep this thing going. But we're going to take our first and only break of the show. When we come back, we're going to talk about Mexico going out, CONCACAF teams actually going out of the tournament in the group stages, as well as give our lineup predictions, so don't go anywhere. Welcome back, Charlie Davies. Man, it's just the two of us again. Getting a lot of airtime, you know. You can see Jimmy, he, he had a few of these, uh, I think he wrote a couple speeches, presidential speeches, to make sure he got his words words per minute up uh, by not joining us for these entire shows right now. And I know he's getting a little bit of FOMO not being able to be part of some of these things, including our lineups. But we know Jimmy's lineups. We're going to get to those here in a little bit. Let's talk about Mexico and, and even Canada for a minute, um, going out in the group stages. You know, I thought Canada, uh, as happy as I am for them, they were talking a lot coming out, finishing on top of the qualifying. It just seemed like uh, like they they felt that they had made it. And I understand the pride of, of Canada being able to reach the, the World Cup for the first time in a long time, scoring their first goal um, in this World Cup. But after that Belgium game where they should have won, I actually thought that they were better than Belgium and, and should have got out with all three points and didn't. Uh, they kind of just came crashing down for the rest of the tournament. They looked exposed. The defense, who who we probably called their vulnerabilities in World Cup qualifying because of the interchangeability of the players, they were changing that back line quite a bit, stood on their heads the entire World Cup qualifying, almost letting in no goals, um, mm-hmm. and then just looked out of sorts, out of touch, out of connection with each other. So for this Canada side, do you think it's actually like a leave and like, hey, we should be proud or whatever? Or do you think they left something uh, to be desired, knowing that there was some moments where they actually, you know, going up 1-0 against Croatia, uh, playing better than Belgium, um, where they actually could have been in a much different position than just being happy to be at the tournament and looking to 2026? Well, if you're looking at 2026, this World Cup was a real awakening for, for, for this group because mm-hmm. as well as they did in CONCACAF World Cup qualifying, the World Cup was another beast. And they were in a very difficult group. They were in the group of death yeah. in Croatia, yeah. Belgium, and, and Morocco. So if, if you don't finish your chances, and they had plenty of them against Belgium, it comes back to haunt you. And I think their coach, uh, Herdman, really put them in a, in a really difficult situation coming out and saying, hey, we're going to – don't – don't talk that trash. You can say yeah. that all you want in the locker room. Don't say it in the press. Yeah. To Croatia, you're disrespecting the hell out of Croatia. They, they're in the World Cup final in 2018. And the team is 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 equally as good, if not better, um, from, from the Croatian standpoint. And you're going to talk that trash like that and disrespect the team? No. So he, he he it was a learning lesson for him as well. So they got smacked up and then – Going into Morocco, Morocco is playing with all the confidence in the world. They just beat Belgium. So it, it was a difficult uh, group to begin with. No one really gave them a chance. They they believed in themselves. I actually thought they were going to be a dark horse. Um, but that being said, it's going to benefit them in 2026. Right. A lot of a lot of players grew up um, in this group stage. And, and Alfonso Davies, you know, missed the penalty. It's it's a it's the big stage, and and the, missing an opportunity like that comes back to haunt you. So. Um, 
yeah, uh, there's a there's a lot of negatives, uh, right? And when you watch that Canada, but I think ultimately it's going to help them all grow. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Mexico then. Actually, putting up a decent fight, um, and and what I think was representative of of the fight that they put up usually in in, in World Cups, but unfortunately go out in the group stages and. You know, this is where all of the controversy begins around Tata Martino and who's the next coach and what's going to happen to this Mexican national team. Is it the end of uh, Guardado era? Is it the end of the 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 uh, Ochoa era? Is it the end of, you know, a, a number of these these players? Um, you know, I, I, I just wonder for you, wh- where do you, where does Mexico stand in, in terms of where the, where how they finished in this World Cup and then where they need to go? So disappointing. I mean, yeah. Heath. You're telling me they couldn't have used Chicharito. I mean, you tell me they couldn't use Carlos Vela. Uh, yes, I mean, you, without a doubt. So, just so if you're a Mexican supporter, you you have to say it's just so disappointing because they underachieved with all the talent yeah. that they've had. They didn't call in the right players. The the, the manager he just got it wrong, and and mm-hmm. it, it all stems back to that Nations League final when they lost to the U.S. So ultimately um very disappointing and you you look at their the youth coming through i don't i don't know i mean you would have said diego Linez was going to be the next global superstar the next carlos vela and mm-hmm. and it seems like he's he's been struggling and hasn't found the right the right club he's been injured so um, and he was good against the us in the nations league final mm-hmm. like he was he was he was one of the best players when you looked at that extra time and the chances they were creating um, I, I believe it was Linez. I, I could be wrong on that, but just in terms of the importance of their young players, they don't have this pipeline right now, right? And there's always been this pipeline. Most of the players are playing domestically. I think it's like the lowest amount of players abroad that they've had. They've got they've got Alvarez, who I think is a fantastic player, is going to continue to grow into bigger and bigger clubs. Um, uh, but but outside of that, you know, I, I just wonder where where they're going to go because they've wasted this opportunity now to make amends with with Chicharito. And I mean, that's been an ongoing thing. Carlos Vela, same thing, had another unbelievable year. Could be useful. You look at the best times, the best of the best of times, and those guys were both on the field for, for Mexico. Uh, and now they find themselves going out of the tournament. And what's sad about that is if, if, if you've ever, for those of you that are watching this, if you've ever been to a World Cup as a fan, Mexico bring one of the best contingents in the world. I think Argentina, the U.S., Mexico. I think just the Americas in general tend to really represent Brazil as well. But Mexico fans are just great for for the game and and when they go out you lose a little bit of peace a little bit of soul of 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 the game which is unfortunate in terms of the atmospheres and and things like that but do you think this is the end of an era uh do you think it's a a rebuild time for the national team because right now when i look at that national team and who they've deployed over the last year there's not a lot of pipeline there that i've seen and i could be wrong I, i know all the young players coming up through the youth national teams for the u.s I don't know them for, for Mexico, but I certainly haven't mm-hmm. seen uh, their, them getting a ton of looks outside of some of their sort of domestic camps. Yeah, it, I think it is a, a, a reboot for, for the Mexican national team because look at all the, the players who are, are phasing out because of age. I mean, there's so many. It'll be Ochoa's last, last hurrah. I mean, Raul Jimenez is, is, is looks like he's, he's hit his peak and he's on the way down. He, he was out of form didn't look that sharp. And I think just having Chicharito there was probably the reason why they didn't bring him because of, he has that presence and, you know, you, you want to empower Raul Jimenez to be the striker. And I think with, with Chicharito there and, and Tata just not getting along with him, that that was never going to happen. But you, you there's a, 
you know, Guardado, he's he's done. So you, you have a lot of these central uh, Hector Moreno, all these players who have played for so so, so many years um, and and have come amassed so many caps are are going to be done. And so who yeah. who is coming up? There hasn't been one player outside of Diego Linez at his best in Nation League final when he was chip, chop, chop, chopping people left and right. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, oh, this guy's electric. He has it. Other than him, I don't know where that's coming from. I don't yeah. see the, the next Hector Herrera. I don't see the next Guardado. I don't see the next Chicharito or Carlos Vela. Like That was the golden generation for me when you look right. at that Mexico um, side. So, um, yeah, I think they, they have a lot of work to do. Yep. Well, let's move over to our, our predicted lineups then. We've got a couple of graphics. Actually, we'll start with uh, whichever one our producer throws up first because I'm not sure which one he's got locked and loaded. But we'll, we'll talk about um, – I guess maybe, Charlie, we'll go with your lineup first. Um, I'm assuming uh, – okay, so for those – walk us through it for those that are listening to this in audio form, but just walk <laughs> us through through your, your, your thinking. Um, I'm assuming, uh, and it looks like here, not, not a lot of change happening. Zero change from the game against Iran, and and the the reason why there's zero change in the game against Iran because that that's a must-win game. That was a knockout game, and given we don't know, I'm assuming this is a completely assuming that Sargent and Pulisic are, are good to go and are healthy, and I think Christian's much closer to to being able to start than than Josh Sargent. So, with that being said, I think the only discussion is Cameron Carter Vickers. Or Walker's Zimmerman. That is the only discussion, I think, uh, among the starting eleven uh, positions. Just because Walker Zimmerman had started the first two games, and Cameron Carter-Vickers came in for that knockout game because yeah. they felt they would have more possession, and that possession was going to be vital when center backs are on the ball and picking out the right, the right player, the right option. And so, for me, against the Netherlands, a team that typically dominates possession. When you do get possession, you have to keep it. You can't give it back. And with that, Cameron Carter-Vickers is much more secure with the ball at his feet, much more secure with connecting the pass to the right option than Walker Zimmerman. This isn't a game that's going to be – that you're going to have to rely on long balls. You're not a game that's going to have to rely on defending cross after cross after cross. So Cameron Carter-Vickers, in defending with with balls to feet – that relationship with Tim Ream looked good enough to me. They, they partnered well enough. I didn't need. I don't need to see more. So I'm, I'm going with that as my starting eleven. Now the question is, if Sargent can't play, what happens at the nine? I have no confidence. Um, I don't want to say I have no confidence. I don't think that Jesus Ferrer will be put into the game uh, to start, having not played any role in any of the previous three matches. So then you go, is it Haji right again? I have, we both would agree, and, and Jimmy as well, we haven't seen enough from him to get a start in this game. So yeah. do you go to a false nine in Brandon Aronson or Gio Reyna? And I don't think it'd be Gio Reyna because he hasn't played that much, so you're not going to yeah. go from zero to 100. So it'd be Brandon Aronson. Or do you put Tim, Timothy Way there again? We keep forcing it. Is this the time? Is the third time the charm? <laughs> you keep on asking. Well, and Brent Aronson as that right winger. And and just you know how they all interchange. So it's not you're not confined to that position throughout the game. Yeah, look, I I I don't disagree with you there. I think we'll throw up my lineup as well. And this is this one mirrors Jimmy Conrad's. The only difference is if Sargent isn't healthy, um, we differ in probably who we would put out there. Jimmy wants to put um um 
Jesus Ferreira at the nine if Sargent isn't uh, ready to go. And I think some of that's him thinking logically about the fact that Greg has over and over again said, I'm not going to take a non-nine and replace the three nines that I brought to the tournament. Having said that, I think logic keeps telling us to go ahead and put a non-nine at the nine position and let him play a false nine or even traditional nine with Timo Weah. But again, the only difference from Jimmy's lineup and and my lineup and and yours is is we both have Walker Zimmerman back in that back four again. Again, it remains to be seen. I think there's... There's, a, there's an argument across the board. I think you make a really strong argument in terms of what uh, Cameron Carter-Vickers brings to the team uh, and, and his build-up play, being able to play simple, you know, uh, his, his defensive abilities. I lean more towards, again, that, that partnership that he built with, with um, Tim Ream also over those, those first couple games with, with Walker Zimmerman that, that I think we're going to go back to that personally. Having said that, I, I'm not sure why we switched away from that against Iran or what the reason why. I mean, you could see why we're going to have the possession more, we're going to have the ball more. All those things lead to the argument that you're saying even against against the Netherlands. <clears throat> but I'm still um, open to either of those guys, and I'm not insecure in whichever one they are, right? If one of them plays or the other one doesn't, I'm not fearful of what's going to happen of that because I think they've now both gotten a taste of what it's going to take and be able to simplify their games because neither of them are going to be asked and neither of them are capable of making the game for us, whether that's defensively or offensively, they're capable of doing a really good and solid job, which is what what we need in this round against the Netherlands, of being able to make one or two of the big plays and otherwise play simple and get it to your midfielders and get it to the players around you that are going to make a game for us. But then again, Sergeant up top, the only difference is that if, if he didn't play, <clears throat> using the logic that Greg's not going to play a non-nine in that position, I'm going back to Haji Wright, and I was hypercritical of him in last game. He looked clueless. He looked out of touch. He kind of looked... Like he was trying to figure out where he can make an impact. He looked a step behind, a step slow, a step kind of off. Um, but I've also, I also remember in, in match one thinking that you no, know, this guy actually has a few, a few tools that he can bring to the, to the, to the game. Or maybe it was match two where, where you know, he, he, he shows an ability to, you know, bring players into it, hold up play, be scrappy, make some runs off the ball. More so than I think if, if it's not Sergeant uh, versus a Jesus Ferrer. Because what I think about, what I don't want to get into, Charlie, is this idea of circumstances dictating like when Jesus Ferreira is going to be the player that plays on on the field right like have we decided that Jesus Ferreira we're saving him for the round of 16 and now all of a sudden he's the guy that we're going to go to because of circumstances I just don't I just don't I mean having said that I also didn't think Haji Wright would get a minute in this tournament I also didn't think Shaq Moore would get a minute in this tournament Shaq Moore played poorly and got another look and played poorly but they've gotten minutes Heath you can't go from Getting some uh, getting yeah. zero minutes to yeah. starting in a in a in a knockout game. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's the Gio Reyna argument as well. I, we'd all love to see him, but I think there's just something there. I think Gio Reyna's not happy. Uh, obviously, that he's not playing. He's young. He's ambitious. He wants to be on the field helping the team. You could see when they came in through the hotel and he was celebrating. Kind of his body language was just sort of like "Get me out of here." And he's trying to figure out where he fits into this group. And I know a lot of players like that. I felt like that at times when you felt like you're sort of one step removed to watching something great happen around you and you don't feel like, you know, it's like the 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 guy who wins wins the ring as like the the 10th string pitcher in the MLBs and only played one match of the year. You don't feel always like connected or part of it, um, although they got a nice little bonus going into this round of 16. So that'll feel good for anybody that's part of that squad. But overall, I think I think the upside uh, you can debate uh, Zimmerman or or Cameron Carter-Vickers. You can debate uh, Sargent if he doesn't play. Who 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 is going to play? But one thing that we should remember, and and we talked about this a little bit, is that is almost the exact same team between both of us. And when we were doing lineups in qualifying, when we were doing lineups in the friendlies, we were differing by fi- differing by five or All six over. players, right? 
And we were all probably wrong on some level. And we're, we're a mix of like what I want to see, what I think Greg Berhalter will do. But now we're actually seeing that lineup come to life. The team is getting results. Yes, we haven't played beautifully, but we have had some moments we've been good. Um, and that's a positive sign. You and I can debate one player on the field. That's it. We'd love to see Timo Weah, but we've accepted the fact that we're probably not going to see him. But that other position isn't like uh, what I think is going to cost us one or, one or the other. They're going to have to both play well, but I trust that both of those players are playing well. Do you, do you feel different? You know, if I think it goes back to the conversation of if Giorena started this game as a false nine, which he came on to this to this in Soccer We Trust podcast and said, hey, I can play the false nine. I, I want to be central anyways, but I've played there. I can do it. If Brian Aronson started as a false nine, I don't think any of us are saying, what the I don't what is going on? This is not a, the right decision. I think we're all going to be like, OK, this makes sense. You, yeah. you need to you need to put more pressure on the Dutch in the midfield. Don't allow them to just connect passes all day. Force them into playing uncharacteristically. But make them play long. Make them play, you know, directly to Cody Gakpo and and and, and make them play in a in a way that's very uncomfortable to them or foreign, so for that matter. So I'm kind of okay. What would what would shock me is if I saw Jesus Ferrer starting up top. That would probably be the only shock for me. If I saw Jesus for if you're going to stick to the same theory of he's only going to play a striker, then why wouldn't he play Haji Wright? If he's already played Haji Wright against Iran, against England, then why wouldn't he play him, especially if Josh Arjun can't go again? What's well, and, and also, Charlie, you know that that players are capable of having off nights. He couldn't mm-hmm. find the game. He came into the match and he could not find the game. But if we wrote off every player in our national team that's had a performance like that, you'd never have another player on our national team again, right? I understand it's the World Cup. It's the big stage. You shouldn't have an off night when you're given your opportunity. You should at least find a way to be uh, contributing. But you can come into the next one, and if you've got that trust with the manager, to have another chance to be able to get it right. And that's where I think about Haji Wright saying he, he continues to get minutes. Obviously, the same way that nobody knew Shaq Moore was going to make the national team, but Greg Berhalter keeps seeing something in him. That, that, that we don't and keeps doubling down on, 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 on believing that this guy can help him get results. So far, Greg Berhalter has gotten the results. And I know the argument is that he, the team has gotten results despite his best efforts of ruining this team in the second halves and getting us out of the tournament and like getting us kicked out of the tournament. But we're in a decent position now. I think the most of the lineup is set pending any sort of injuries. If Pulisic can't go, and I know he's probably the closest to playing and Sargent's probably the furthest from being, being good to go, is there any changes? What's the change you make there? I think it's Gio Reyna. I think that's the only person that that is can play that way in a, in a way that is put, pushing the Netherlands back, creating on the dribble, uh, great vision. It's got to it's got to be him. I, if he can play, if he can give me sixty minutes, quality minutes, I am starting yeah. Gio Reyna in this game. If, I agree. if he can give me 60. But I agree. From what I mean, we're, we're, we're a couple weeks in, we're three weeks in now, right? Or whatever it is, mm-hmm. maybe three weeks since the team came together. And that's a considerable amount of time for somebody who's either nursing something, unless he's picked it up along the way and they're afraid to put him in. It, you know, you would assume that day to day, he's going to be getting better and better or closer to being able to be trusted as one of the key players and knowing that you don't want to waste one on, on us on an injury. If a guy's not healthy. You, you, and and we know Brian Aronson is just phenomenal in the press. So 
I think Brent Aronson is probably a better player from the starting the game than because he can grow into it than coming in as a substitute. I think he probably, you know, that's probably not his his best um, moment as a player to come in as a sub just because it, you're catching the game and you're either defending frantically or you're attacking frantically. And I, and I think he's best when he's like settling into the game, when he has time, like most players. Although Haji Wright just hasn't hasn't found that yet. Maybe it clicks the third time. You know, who 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 knows? But ultimately, the, the Dutch are going to give us space. They are going to have space, and and we just have to be direct. So you take a page out of Senegal's book in that first half. Uh, the way they created chances without Sadio Mane, they didn't have a, a, a true striker. So Ishmael Asar, he he played in a way that was an advanced attacking midfielder and was still able to create chances. But you can see how they create chances. You can watch the Ecuador game and pick out ways that they were creating chances as well. The U.S. will have their opportunities. They'll have their moments. Yep. But they just have to finish. I think that's been the theme of this tournament with a lot of people, though, thinking that if you've got this idea that you're going to create a bunch of them and you're gonna, it's eventually going to come, uh, that's the difference of, of, of moments, right? And we're now seeing teams uh, like Denmark out of the tournament. We're seeing uh, teams like Canada out of the tournament for not being more clinical in the opportunities that they had. You know, when everybody was talking about them in the first game, saying, wow, they were unbelievable in the attack coming in from the wings, you know, how dangerous they were. Mexico out of the tournament. Um, and it just it's going to come down to being able to put those chances away and then and then being able to defend like hell. I don't care what anybody says about this U.S. side. They've found a way. You can say they're lucky. You can say somehow, some way, but they are now in the knockout rounds, and other teams are not, and there's something to be said about that, whether that's creating your own luck or it's a fight or it's a discipline, um, and, and, I, and, I, and so I like, I like the confidence that this team has. Charlie, just <clears throat> as we head towards the end of this, this show, is there, is there anything um, – that 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 worries you is there anything that that um comes to mind in terms of team selection we have we've obviously talked at length about greg berhalter's what we all think on the show is sort of poor uh match management in the second half in terms of when we're subbing who's coming in the impacts those players are having um you know for you what's going to be the difference within all of that well i think the first halves have gone so well that greg berhalter has waited so long to, to make changes because he's like, oh, the first half was so great. I'm going to keep riding these players because they've done so well. We're probably going to need substitutions around the 65th minute this time. Mm-hmm. 60th at maybe because guys have emptied the, their tanks. And so we have a lot of uh, a number of players. Who have fresh Weston legs. McKinney is an example of a guy who's put in a ton of minutes actually coming in, not not fully healthy. Serginho Dest, not fully healthy, putting in a ton of minutes, even though they're, they're not playing 90. They're still putting in shifts at a, at a pace. Um, uh, of this World Cup, which is pretty intense. So I think the substitutions are going to have to come much sooner. And we have a midfield trio who can overrun Darun, De Jong, and Klassen. Just physically. Forget the technical skills. Forget uh, tactically. Just they can overrun athletically Darun, De Jong, and Klassen. Force them to defend. That's when we're going to really have success in this game. Because you you take away De Jong being able to play through the lines and pick those passes, they're not going to have much going for them. Daly Blind, he doesn't have the pace anymore. Dumfries on the le- on the right side and, and Ancy Robinson, that's going to be a battle. Can can Ancy Robinson force Dumfries to defend? Can can uh, Eunice Musa, Weston McKinney, Tyler Adams 
sniff that out when Dumfries is going to have some space to, to make sure that they cut off that pass or they or they read and anticipate that ball in behind. Because literally when I'm looking at it, Dumfries and, and Gakpo, the way that they play together and, and Depay, you got to cut off De Jong and cut off yeah. Dumfries. And, and I don't know where those chances are going to come from other than your traditional set pieces. So uh, it's not like the Dutch have a, a number of different players who can break you down. They don't. Yeah. And and they heavily rely on, on Frankie De Jong um, in, in the midfield. So yeah. I, I really like our chances if we can continue to, to dominate uh, with Musa, Adams, and McKinney. Yeah, look, uh, what some of the things that I think I, I'm pleasantly surprised of, like a Serginho Dest, for example, is a guy that we were sort of on the fence of, like, is he your starter? Is, it a, is he a star- starter against certain teams? You know, can he defend right? He's had a phenomenal tournament. Other players that I think we've all questioned have had phenomenal tournaments, which is a good starting point going into this game. Looking looking at, um, as, as you mentioned, the, the, this, this lineup, though, we haven't rotated squads. A lot of teams have rotated. You watch France get beat because they went into a rotation squad and they couldn't figure out how to cohesively come together to get a result. The upside is that there's no travel, right? There's no uh, there's no sort of uh, things going unsettling things that happen in a normal World Cup where you got to fly to Rostov on Don from 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 uh, you know um, St. Petersburg to play your next match, and it's a crazy thing, and the family's got to move, and all those stresses that come with it. This team has been in a camp; they've been together the entire time, so all of those external factors I think are limited. But you're still putting on pretty heavy minutes in an intense climate. Um, do you think that? We haven't rotated enough in terms of uh, in terms of um, starting lineups because most other teams have made more than a single change or two changes uh, in, in at least one of their matches. I think I think Sergio Dest is going to be the 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 key down that right side, um, mm-hmm. and I don't want to see any changes. I think the only changes are going to come after the 60, 65th minute and. It all comes down to us being, uh, again, smart and and not making the committing silly fouls, not not allowing Van Dyke to to start picking up the ball around the half and and picking out players. So as long as we don't back down and we take it to them at times. Now, of course, there are, there are times we have to suffer. We we suffered against Iran at times, but as long as we keep everything in front of us, let's go. Yeah. Why not? I like it. Well, Charlie, let's let's get our final thoughts then. Obviously, for everybody that doesn't know, we're going to come right to you live after the match on Saturday. So make sure you've got that little notification box checked on this show so it'll come straight into your phone or your computer or your TV, your smart TV, wherever you're watching those types of things. But, Charlie, final thoughts before we see everybody off for the rest of this day and then uh, we meet back again uh, after the U.S.'s win over the Netherlands on uh, Saturday. Just, uh, again... Shout out to all you guys in the YouTube uh, comments, everyone watching live. This is prime time. This is this is the game we've all been waiting for. This one that we've hoped for in the knockout round against the Netherlands. I think we all were hoping that this would be the possibility. And this is a team that we can beat. So here we go. Um, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be tuned in, locked in. I know Keith, you're you're excited. You're you're gonna go to the, the game after this, right? No, yeah, I'm gonna. No, I was thinking about if when they go through this, then I want to. I was actually talking to the producer about, hey, I think I want to go to this game. I don't want to miss it. But I, but then he talked to me off the ledge and was like, hey, you got Jimmy there. We got all these things. You know, we need to just control. What we can control. So I'm probably not gonna go to this game. Um, and I was probably for the right because I don't really enjoy going to the national team games. There's too much going on, too much distraction. <laughs> I like to sit in a quiet place. And just like 
block me off. I'm not trying to talk about, hey, remember this, this, remember that. I just want to watch the game quietly. So I'm going to watch it from here in Dubai. But I can't wait to talk about it after. And obviously, this is going to be our biggest show ever, um, just in terms of the magnitude of the match, the amount, the, the size of our community, the excitement of everybody, the amount of engagement we're getting around this, both on the show and off the show. So I can't wait for it. Do you have a, a um, prediction? Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say. I mean, I, I, I don't want to give. I, I want to stop giving away goals. Uh, this team has two shutouts, so I'm gonna say one zero for the U.S. Gonna That's be exactly affair. where I'm I, going. I, I'm tired of giving up goals. Like I, I, that lack of confidence in our, in our back line is, is obviously shown. Yes, we've had some luck along the way, but every team's had some luck that's had a shutout in this tournament, unless they're playing against Denmark, who mm-hmm. looked horrible this tournament and weren't trying to create any goal-scoring oh, opportunities after scoring 30 in nine World Cup qualifiers or whatever it was, something insane like that, but. Um, yeah, you're going, going one nil then. I'm going one nil. Matt Turner. I don't think we give too many chances up, but Matt Turner is big, just like he was uh, in the group stages. So, oh, Samuel Skinner, by the way, saying two one wins on U.S. wins uh, on on penalties, which is kind of crazy. I forgot about penalties in this whole thing, but I I, I so, like so the so regulation time. So don't take it one one then, and they win. On I guess yeah, I guess we win two one on penalties. It's <laughs> 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 a lot of missed. So it's one one, and and then we went on penalties. So you're saying it's two yeah. one, but yeah, it's one yeah. one, and we went on penalties. Yeah, I, I could see that as well. Gordo says we're going to 1-0 our way to the finals. I don't know if you remember Portugal in the Euros, but they had only had one – I think it was one win in regulation time. Um, the rest of it came either in in, in, in extra time or or draws. That took them all the way to the final. I can't remember what that was. I'm happy to do that if, this, if that was hey, – that's going to take. You, know? you and me both. a lot both. of shutouts. Yeah. You, you and me both. Let's go. I like that. Yeah, let's go. Well, listen, everybody, that is the end of our show. And guess what? The world's eyes are focused on Qatar for the biggest event on the global stage. So stay up to date with every story and every heart-pounding moment with Colossal Starting 11 newsletter from CBS Sports. It's your ultimate guide to the beautiful game. You can obviously find that at cbssports.com slash Golasso. Once again, it's Golasso Starting 11 newsletter, and you can sign up for free at cbssports.com slash G-O-L-A-Z-O. And from myself, on behalf of Charlie Davies, our production team, Jimmy Trashcan Conrad, who's been who's spending as much time with us as he can. We appreciate all of you, and we will see you guys after the match on Saturday.